Ooh, that looks tasty. Before this episode gets started, I just need to point out that there was an issue with my microphone during this podcast, and as a result, my audio was very, very hot. And I've edited it as much as I can, but you will notice that my audio sounds a little bit strange. That does persist throughout this entire episode, but I have fixed it for the next episode. Sorry about that. Welcome, folks. Dave the Hunger Gamer is back with another episode of Boards and Brews, and I am rejoined after his sabbatical by occasional guest host, original Don, co-designer of Backyard Chickens. You notice I actually said co-designer today? Well done. I, fi- I finally got caught that. Trained. Yeah. So the, the fun fact is, I know Don far more than I know his son, Adrian, who apparently did all the real work, and Don just put his name on it, he says, which I don't believe, but that's what he says. And I have a tendency to just talk about the person I'm in the room with. And mm-hmm. so even like when I talk about Merchant's Cove, I'll be like, oh, yeah, Carl, the designer of Merchant's Cove. Oh, yeah, Drake, the designer. Of Mer-. But every time I say it, Don is such a good dad. He's like, no, no, no. My son needs his credit. So oh, yeah. everybody, if you hear me say original Don, designer of Backyard Chickens, please comment and say co-designer just so I can yes. be put in my place. Again, as a rule, yeah, yeah I, I won't say he did all of the real work, I'll say he did the clever work, made yeah. it something, especially in the beginning. Yeah, all Don did was name it. I did the hours of play testing, I took it to a lot of places where he wasn't and like put it through the ringer. Yeah. But the, the thing, like every con, every uh, reviewer, reviewer, whatever that looked at the game, like the thing they all comment on is the mood mechanic for the chickens, and that was all Adrian. I think that was his inspiration, and it made the game. And just, and just in case somebody's getting getting all hot and bothered about their chickens now, where can they get a copy of Backyard Chickens? <laughs> uh, so it's only just like sitting in inventory with the publisher, but they've got probably a couple hundred copies still. Um, and you can find the easiest way to find the link is go find the Kickstarter page for Backyard Chickens, and it has a it's an order now button there where it used to say back it. And that takes you to a pre-order page, but it's just like when you pre-order it, it means Quartermaster Logistics puts it in a box and sends it to you. And, well, what, if, way. and what if they want the solo mode? What do they have to do? Oh, that's on the, I mean, it's a free print and play. You can find it on the BGG page, or you can go to um, Game Crafter or The Game Crafter. I was blanking on their name for a second there. Uh, so Dan, the publisher, put it up on Game Crafter in case people want, you know, actual professional cards. I need to order some copies myself. I, I ordered a few and immediately gave them all away. And, and and what if they want a signed copy? Oh, you have to find us at a con. And don't just find me at a con because it's not worth anything with my signature on it. You got to get Adrian's and, and that's yeah. more elusive. See earlier conversation about Don is not the only designer of this game. All right. Yeah. So, so we were at KublaCon last year, and somebody bought a copy from me after playing it with the publisher. And I happened to be there. Like, I happened to wander up just as they were finishing, and um, I had a copy with me. And he's like, "Can I buy it?" And so I sold it to him. And then I gave him directions to go find Adrian, who was demoing Omicron Protocol for Dead Alive Games downstairs. And so he went and found him and got his signature. And so that was a fun experience. I think that was the first time we signed to the game for strangers yeah it it is you know it's possible that my copy right over my shoulder doesn't have adrian's signature on it it's probably doesn't it's possible i'll have to bring bring that up or just live in ignominy for the rest of my life i guess i'm not sure the uh i'm glad you mentioned well before we jump into jump into uh, what we're talking about today and what we're going to be talking about what is your brewed beverage today now everybody it is 11 a.m so we're in a different a little different world, so sorry, Four in, Point. No free publicity in, today. They just need to branch out into coffee. That's true. Uh, I've got a Four Point Four Point Coffee. Please sponsor Will's channel. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I am drinking a latte that I made myself. Um, one of the one of the big highlights of Don Con Two, which we're going to talk about, is I bought the fancy Nespresso machine that arrived the first day of the con. So we had a lot of fun playing with it, and so. I have a Nespresso coffee or latte. It came with a little milk frothing machine, which is far too cool. 
So that's what I'm drinking. Yeah. The cool thing about those is I, I have one that's similar to that is uh, I'm pretty sure you can do a cold froth also. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is, is great. So I'm also drinking coffee in my Omicron protocol mug. Uh, publishers, designers, if you want me to drink coffee out of your game mug, just send me one. There you go. Actually, please don't. I don't need any more coffee mugs. That's a terrible idea. I don't need that. Uh, but for my wife for Christmas, I got her a coffee of the month club. She was very excited about it. So I don't know what I'm drinking, but it's the coffee of the month. Something I'd never heard of. So good job, coffee of the month club. Sponsor my channel. Everyone just sponsor my channel so I can get free stuff. We mentioned or, uh, Nespresso. They should sponsor your channel. Yeah, Nespresso. Sponsor my channel, but send it to Don. Also, it's a, a Starbucks pod that I use, so Starbucks can sponsor your channel, too. Oh, you didn't have the, the fancy. Now, the cool thing about this is Nespresso thing is I was getting all judgy, but the pods are actually recyclable. That's, that's, what, that's what won me over. I have avoided the pod thing for years because it just feels so wasteful, and it's still a little wasteful. But... I got tired of making a whole pot of coffee and then I'm the only one drinking it and half of it gets thrown out and that also feels wasteful. Yeah. So for, yeah, the recyclable pods make a difference. Yeah. And then of course, I mean, uh, they, they got to have one of those like ones you can fill yourself too. Yes. Yeah. You can get those. So you got options is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. All right. So for the three people that are still listening, cause we haven't talked anything games. So what we're going to talk about today, we're going to go through our games we've played recently what's got coming next and then we're going to do a little deep dive into don con 2 which is a local con to don's room that he's sitting in and to kind of talk a little bit about this idea that and i have another one coming up this summer powdered wig con 2 because mark dainty is coming to visit but this kind of idea of taking what's really a game day and then making it a glorified game day making a whole event out of it and kind of the the fun that goes along with that, we'll talk about some of our, our, our hits from the con and all of that. But to start out, first things first, what have you been playing lately, Don? And then we'll get to what's next on the table. So DonCon 2 just happened, so lots of games there, but we'll talk about those some more. Um, but between then and now, uh, so Peter Vaughn, who came to, to uh, DonCon 2, brought me a late birthday present. He brought me a copy of Meadow, which has been all the rage for a while. But I had not gotten to it, and my wife and I have played it a couple of times in the last week, and it's fantastic. It's a nice uh, tableau builder, I guess you'd call it. You're drafting cards from a meadow. You're using these little path tokens to decide kind of where you're going to take an action, and it tells you what card you can take from the meadow, or it tells you what special action you can take if you put it around the campfire. I won't try to explain the whole game, but you know you're you're getting ground cards that establish the terrain, and then you can get cards that can go on that terrain and they are usually worth points. And then there are other cards that can go on those. Like you might get a bug card that goes on a certain type of terrain. And then you can get a bird card that wants to eat that bug and it goes on top of it. And they kind of um, layer over each other. So you can still see the points for everything. And there are- Are they like the, the clear plastic card type things? No, no. It's more just like you you leave the bottom of the card visible. Oh, I see. You overlap the top. But like now you don't have that bug available as an icon in your meadow. So you're giving something up every time you do that. Because uh, then there are these landscape cards that are, you know, you can put this above your meadow if you have these certain symbols in your meadow. And so if you cover up one that the landscape wants, you then have to go get that symbol again and put it in your meadow. So that's kind of the whole thing. It's like I was expecting more math in this game, you know, like. If you have this, you're going to multiply it times this. And it's really just... Yeah, nothing's more exciting in a game than math. Yeah. And so this is really just, if I can get this card in my meadow, it's worth two points. And if I can get this card, it's worth three points. And then you just add it all up at the end. And there are some little combo targets around the campfire that are variable setup kind of thing. Like if you have these two symbols, when you go take a campfire action, you can put one of your scoring tokens between the two symbols. And that's kind of a little race. That's... You know, the, the player interaction. So like the Hobbit a or a dwarf or a gnome? Uh-huh, yeah. So the get it, a little race? Player get it? Yeah, I get it. A little race, yeah. Uh, so we say little faction these days, though. Um, That's true. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
So there's that race in the campfire to get those scoring spots and you have tokens that are two, three, and four points and you have to put the two down first. And so they go up the more of those you can claim. And then of course there's the whole, oh, you took the card I wanted uh, player interaction. Other than that, it's a bit of a multiplayer solitaire game, which are the ones that are the biggest hits when it's just me and my wife playing a game. She enjoys that. I enjoy that. So And one to be fair, when uh, my wife and I come up, that's also a big hit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you, your wife and my wife tend, tend to be a little bit on the same page as far as yeah styles of game. And I'm there in a big way, too. You know, I, I like more competitive stuff, too, but I love a good multiplayer solitaire game. So, yeah, I don't understand why so that far. gets such a bad, bad rap. Like, I have a great time with that. Yeah, it's you're solving your own little puzzle. And, you know, it matters less if you win. Like, it always feels good if you got the best score. but it doesn't matter if you win it's whether you had fun solving your own little puzzle yeah and yeah as long as you find reasons to talk to each other during the game and you know um you're not completely you know secluded from each other like you're playing your game and they're playing their game like there's still interaction it's just not conflict yeah yeah it's it's good stuff so yeah well we'll have to we'll try the one so but my first one is one that I was supposed to play the heck out of this and cover it back in January, December, January. And it just, for various reasons, just didn't work out. And I haven't been able to get back to it. Finally, I did. And this is called Wizards of the Grimoire. Or my favorite, so very wrong about games, that they call it the Pew Pew Bookie Book because of the very yeah, generic sounding title. title. Yeah. Uh -huh. So Pew Pew Bookie Book or Wizards of the Grimoire is a two-player only card battler. Think like Magic the Gathering vibe. And what you do is you have a series of 10 spells out on the board. You start the game, each player is going to have two of them. Each player is going to have two spells out. And on your turn, you're going to be able to draft a spell. So just take one that's on, on the board and add it to your tableau of spells. And you're, you're limited to six. So if you ever have six, you either don't draft or you have to replace one. And then you're going to draw three mana cards. And on the reverse side of the mana card, is going to say one, two, three, or four. And then you get to run your engine of spells. And each spell will have a mana cost in cards. So if I want to zap you with a lightning bolt, it might cost two mana. And so I just take any two cards I want. It doesn't matter what number it is. And I place them face down on top of the card or just above the card. And then at the beginning of every turn, Every spell I have that has mana on it, I get to take one off and discard it. And once there's no mana on it, the spell is recharged, I can cast it again. And then at the end of the turn, I can take one of my remaining mana, if I have any, and just zap you for whatever number is on that card. But what gets kind of cool is the crazy variety of spells that you have. So like I had one spell, it's called like Boom Drop, and it didn't do anything until I would discard card mana off of the card. And then whatever number was on there would be the damage the other player would take. But it was like delayed damage. Some cards let you... I had one that I just loved. It was driving Mark crazy, which was called Truce. And you could give me two of your mana cards out of your hand. But if you didn't want to do that, that's okay. I get to draw five. And so it's like just stuff... One, he had a card that just was driving me nuts where he would cast it and then... Whatever number card he hit me with at the end of the round, if I didn't play the exact number that he played, I could not hit him back at the end of the round. So it's all kinds of little stuff. And I thought it was going to be impossible because there's 70 different spells. And you just go like, what does this do? Like, if I, give, if I sat you down to play Magic, it'd be a nightmare, right? Because you don't know what anything does. But you only got six of them. It's pretty simple. I am super impressed by it. And it's possibly going to be the third one in my two-player games that I'm always pushing people to play. So, okay. so I guess you're going to, what I'm saying That's is amazing. you're going to play this at KublaCon. Okay. Schedule Pew Pew Bookie Book. Yeah. If you could have your uh, now renamed Pew Pew Bookie Book schedule you to play Pew Pew Bookie Book, that would be, yeah, that would be great. Uh, but it's actually called Wizards of the Grimoire, people. You can actually get a copy of it, I think, right now. But very, very cool. I was very, the only problem I have with it, and this is, I'm, I'm salty about it. Is I hate the way the cards feel. Oh, like they're thick, but it, I, I don't know. There's like no texture on them, and they don't slide. 
You need sleeves. Yeah, but the problem is, and that's fine, but I don't know if it'll all fit back in the cool little magnetic box if I have it sleeved. It might make, maybe if I get like the, like the, you know, penny sleeves that are like super thin, like maybe. So I need to, I guess I need to go get some penny sleeves and then see. So I'm I'm very, I'm very concerned about that. Then what if there's an expansion? And then I need that expansion. And then I, like, these are, these are real problems. Yeah, definitely. That I have. All right. So what's the next one you've been playing lately? So um, I was going to mention, it's been a couple of weeks since I got it to the table because we had a con in between, but um, I've been playing through Legacy of You. Um, Me? And talk about this last, yeah, you. Uh, so legacy of you why you the the game from the solo only game well because i'm running the podcast that's why me yeah yeah and it's your legacy that we're harnessing here i'm really hoping i got one more in me so go ahead try again (laughs) so uh legacy of you is the um solo only game from shim phillips of garfield games um you are playing through a campaign uh, i thought you were playing through yeah Definitely. There we go. Uh, I got my three. There it is. So I am playing through a campaign uh, of um, trying to dig canals to prevent the annual damage that floods are having on the community. That's basically the backstory of the game. And you're playing through a, a tableau. You're trying to build the different sections of the canal. Um, and there's a race to it because there are... Um, barbarians coming in trying to attack you so you have to fend them off and also every time you advance the canal it increases the number of barbarians or the more you advance it the more barbarians is you a historical figure the the why you or is it just the name that they picked do you know so so i have not looked it up it certainly reads like this is a real person like he he was a an architect or a builder or whatever that the emperor sent out to do this and his father had failed at this job and so his job his like legacy is that he succeeded where his father failed and built these canals and and all that but yeah i need to look it up i don't know if it's a real story it certainly feels like a real story uh but i don't know for sure so um there's a lot of engine building to it you know you're building little structures that go out and those give you abilities um at the beginning of every turn you are um getting a bunch of resources and the more like structures you build the more resources you get at the beginning of the turn there's a lot of card play involve um some light deck building uh there are villager cards that come out and you can draft those into your deck and every time your deck runs out you have to kind of cycle through the whole barbarian thing so the bigger you get your deck the the more you're keeping the barbarians from coming in uh so that helps but then you also want the cool cards to come up more often so there's that little tension I'm really enjoying it. You play through it until you've either won seven games or lost seven games. So the campaign can be up to 13 games long, right? So if you keep losing winning, I played four games so far. I think I won three of them. But every time you win, there's a card you reveal that puts some new challenge in the game. And every time you lose, there's something that gives you a little benefit. So it's it's a neat little system. The, the insert for the game is amazing. You know, it's it's really designed so you just put everything away real quick and that saves your game. You know, there's a section for the story deck where new cards come from. And then there's a section for the history deck, which is where you put cards that aren't going to be in the game anymore. And then you can reset the whole thing and start the campaign over again. So it's not like a legacy game. That's cool. I'll have to buggy. Let me borrow that afterwards. Absolutely. I think you'd like it. It's it's really light for a, you know, a solo campaign game and thinking. And so the next one, I'm kind of torn on which one I want to talk about, but I think I'm going to go go with this because we talked a little bit about it in the last episode when we were talking about the Valeria world. And this one's called Castellans of Valeria. And this is hitting Kickstarter in June, but I've been playing it through a few times. And just last, no, just Friday night, a Streamline Matt and Manic Mark came down. We did a three-player playthrough, which we recorded. And I was kind enough not not to bother you to come down and record again just mm-hmm. after DonCon. I, I, I thought about your wife and your family and how they probably want to see you. Um, so I, I, I didn't make you come down and, didn't, and join us because I can make you do anything. But this one is a dice drafting, resource management, 
I'm going to say tableau building. That's not really the right word. It's just as you put out your buildings and stuff, you unlock powers. So, you know, it's that kind of tableau build, right? And uh, area control. And there's five regions of this city. And ostensibly, you are a Castellan, which I guess is a dude that runs a city. I would assume runs a castle, but it's not really a castle. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Whatever. And you're trying to do it the best so the king will give you whatever the king is going to give you. I don't know. But you play over five rounds, and each round of the first four rounds, only three of the five uh, districts of the city are going to score for the area control. And everything you put out into the city, manors or temples or citizens, like, are going to give you control points, power for each region. And so you're putting these things out onto the board, which, of course, costs resources, and you're getting the resources when you draft your dice at the beginning of the turn. So you might take wood, which you can use to build manors or stone. You can build temples or food to get people or magic. And the magic one is kind of cool because it's a wild, but you can only use it to copy something you're already using. So I couldn't use you know, three magic to be three wood, but I could use one wood and two magic to be three wood or whatever it is. So it's a neat little resource. And then there's gold and influence. And it's got these four tracks you're going up. And if you played any of the Valeria games, you probably recognize the, the symbols. It's got like a little key thing and a helmet thing. What They always use the same symbols, which is kind of this world they're doing. But that's also going to be points at the end of the game. As you go up these tracks, you get bonuses the higher up these tracks you go. And of course, almost everything you build and put into a district is going to make you go up one or two of those tracks. And the type of thing you build is going to make you go up more or less on these different uh, influence tracks they're called. And it's a clever game. Like I just, I was, I'm pretty, pretty pleased with it because one, I don't have any Euro area controls really. Like, I, like, you know, it's area control is usually pretty nasty and mean and euros are usually pretty not nasty and mean. So it's, yeah, it, we all had, had a, had a good time. I know since it was only the second or we played half a game and then we restarted and we recorded. So, you know, they hadn't played, played through an entire game like, like I had. And they both found that they there was bits that they were losing the plot on. Like, like, oh, gosh, I forgot that I can put ships out and those ships, I can move them around to different districts. So they, you know, give you power each turn. So you can move that, you know, they forgot about this few things they forgot about. So they, you know, felt like they were missing some stuff. And what's like a deceptively simple area control, because everything is one point for the most part. Like you put it out. Yeah, it's worth one point. Put this out worth one point. And so they kind of fell into the trap of, yeah, you just, you know, put stuff out and you're just slowly going to be raising your power there. But no, there's actually, there's like more to it. Like there's some serious depth and crunch to the strategy of how you get stuff out there. And it, it's a cool game. I was very intrigued by it. I enjoyed it. Sadly, I had, I just packed it up. I have to send it off so we can't play at Kublacon. But the only big yeah, you know, there's a couple production things that need to work that they need to work out, I think. But the only big downside is like we played at three, and I've also played it at two. I think you need four or five because you know you're doing area control and your first, second, and third place will get points. And they, they have a little mechanic of there's these like green strongholds that'll be out on the board, which count as you know a point. So it will you can't just throw anything in there and win. But you know, that kind of goes away pretty quick. It's it's pretty it's a pretty cool game. It's I don't know how much you would like it because of the area control. I know that's not usually your jam, but it's also no, very point salad. Yeah, and that I do like. Yeah, so I feel like you're probably torn already. You know, a little bit. Yeah, certain it's got games, great area control. Really works for me. So what was that? I, I said for certain games, area control really works for me. Yeah, it wasn't uh, uh, Matt's favorite. You know, because for those of you you don't know Matt, like he's pretty low on euros. Yes. In general, he's really high on area control, and he likes dice. So okay, we'll see what happens. And it's it it's not the type of area control that you usually think of area control where it's mean and nasty and you're doing stuff to it's you can't take anything from anybody. Right. You know, you just build your stuff better. So. 
it, it might be up your alley. You know, we'll have to look at it when the campaign launches in June and see what's up. All right. So what, what, what's your other recently played? Then we'll do to what's next and we'll move into the real topic. I think that's probably it for me. Like everything else I played recently was that. Oh, that's right. You've already done two. That's right. We both done two. Yeah. What I'm talking about. What, what, what's next for you? What's next on the table? So um, I've got a couple people coming over today. Uh, and I'm gonna, you're welcome to come over. It's the teenagers, as you call them. Oh, um, yes, that's right. Your 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 teenage friends, right? Yeah, because they're only in their 30s. Yeah, so I, you know, and I, I appreciate that uh, when put on the spot while being recorded, you felt you could invite me over. That's good. I like that. Yeah, you're welcome. Come on over. Um, no, no, no. So, we, we, we did, Beatrice, the board game dog, is, is not as a bulging disc. So we're staying home. Okay. Yeah, taking yeah. care of her. So uh, I'll be teaching them Earth. One of them requested that. And then um, I've got Jinpansen Zero Kai, which um, I have played solo once or twice um, when I first got it. And I have not gotten it to the table. What since. is it again? It's called Shinkansen Zero Kai. What on it's earth a, is that? It's a train building game. Oh my uh, gosh. I know your favorite. So it's about building the Tokaido line in Japan. Um, I believe it was for the Olympics when they were there in Tokyo. They built a train as cities do when the Olympics are coming. Um, and I remember it being really interesting. And it's just kind of, it went on the shelf in the corner and it hasn't come off. And so when they asked what I wanted to play, I said, you know, I really want to get this to the table and give it a try. I cannot describe it intelligently because it's been so long and I'm going to be reading the rule book as soon as we're done here so I can refresh myself on how it plays so I can teach them. So my, my next one that's it's literally on the table right now, I've already, I've already actually started, I paused to come over, is Coloma. Now, there may be some weird cuts here, people, because I don't know what I'm allowed to actually say right now and what I'm not allowed to say right now. But I got to play around with the new expansion stuff that's coming. And it's very early on, and it's literally, I, it's put-in-play stuff that I have right now just to test it out. And if you don't know, Coloma is a fantastic, quick, simultaneous play Euro that's one of the best, like, real high, play Euro, uh, real high player count Euros out there. I think it's fantastic. But what they're doing is they're doing a reprint. And they're based, I forget what the expansion is going to be called, but it's on GameFound right now. You can uh, go ahead and follow it. But basically, this expansion makes it Coloma 2.0. And so you have a choice. You can play the original 1.0 light version or 2.0, which makes it more gamerly. It makes some of the choices harder. It makes the, the kind of the core mechanic of the original game is this, this boom or bust. If two people go to the same thing, you're going to bust, you get to do less actions. But now, sometimes you legitimately want to bust. And that becomes like part of the decision. Because when you bust, some of your buildings that you build become more powerful. When you bust, there's a whole new mechanic where you are actually sending like an expedition out to explore the wilderness. And it's dangerous. And you can build these waterfalls and stuff instead of rivers that will let you avoid the really dangerous parts because if you don't your dudes and they're actually called dudes in the game your dudes will die which are negative points and so to avoid that you have to build these waterfalls and every time you bust you have to move along this trail but as you move along the trail you're going to get bonuses you're going to get points depending on what waterfall you build you're going to get extra bonuses you're going to pick it's really really doing some clever stuff and again everybody i you may have just heard me say it's doing some clever stuff because i had to cut out everything i just said and the other thing is uh, don knows this so that's on the table right now really really excited about it. the new stuff i think is really really good and you're going to be able to play either version which i think is also great you yeah. know so oh got your friends who aren't really you know heavy gamers 1.0 no yeah. you, you got you got your real nerds coming over will's coming 2.0 so i'm pretty excited about it i am too now that you say like paloma is one of those games where i feel like there are lots of decisions in it and if you ask me if it needed an expansion i'd say no but everything you just described is super intriguing and it sounds crunchy and interesting and so i'm looking forward to trying it i'm oh, looking forward the, to trying the, your solo too the fun thing i really that i love about it is they changed the gunfight a little bit oh really so so 
And now we're, getting, we're, we're doing a deep dive here. So people, so if you don't know how to play Coloma, you're a little bit lost. But there's a gunfight. And when you can put your dudes out to defend the town, if you're all the way at the front, you're only going to be able to put down one dude. If you're all the way at the back, you can put out five dudes. And there is a slight advantage to being all the way at the front of the fight because then if there's a tie with who's uh, helped with the fight the most, you, you get the tiebreaker. And so there, that's still there. That's kind of tie who, who wins, who loses. But there's an added benefit because now when you get to the gunfight, you literally shoot down the gunmen one by one starting at the front. And so for every gunman you shoot down, that's a point. So now there's an added bonus to where, well, shoot, if you think maybe four is going to win, maybe you just take the, you know, the very front spot and then the three, and you're going to get four extra points. Because once all the gunmen are shot down, there's no more gunmen. So if you have six at the back, but there's only four, and the pistol one has four you know, in front of you, you're not going to get those four bonus points. Which I was like, I don't know that we need that. I was just playing this morning. I was like, oh, that's fun. Like I really liked it because now it makes me like that. Yeah, now there's a little added benefit to jumping in at the end if you're already winning. You know, so oh, you know, I should get in there for a couple points. So anyhow, I I'm very excited about it. You know, I haven't done a lot with it yet, but we'll see. And I want to add something. I want us to start doing on this because this isn't a game I have coming. I'm going to play anytime soon. But what's a game you got a hankering to play? Don't talk about it. Just a real hankering. I'll go first. I haven't made you think about it. Yeah. But I've been looking at it. It's right here. It's this wonderfully imperfect game that I have called Galaxy Hunters. It's got too too many resources. You got your giant stompy oh, mechs going all over. Yeah, I just too many resources game. Yeah, I just I have a real I really want to play this. I have a bad hankering to play. I don't know when I'll do it. So that and Madara too. I got just a hankering to play. I don't know when. You've got me wanting to turn around and look at my shelves to figure out what I really want to play. So I got Bamboo, the Dice Tower West. Um, and learned it there, played it a couple of times there and really, really enjoyed it. And I have not gotten it to the table to teach the family or to teach you. And I really like it. It's a, it's a game from Devere Games. It's in the exact same size box as Red Cathedral, um, which a lot of people have played and really enjoyed. And everybody says there's so much game in that little tiny box. And this is very similar. I don't think it has quite as much as Red Cathedral, maybe. But it has, it's a really cool little efficiency puzzle game. You're decorating your house. You're using bamboo shoots to do this unique little action selection thing. And I'm itching to play it again. All right. So we're moving into the topic, and that is glorified game day cons. Is what I'm going to call it. So last year we did this, we had Don Con. And we had Don Con because it rhymes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty and sure that's... my house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Don Con because it And it had to be at your house because otherwise it wouldn't be Don Con. Right. And it turned into a little bit of a thing because Peter Vaughn came up from Los Angeles. He's a publisher of Cardboard Alchemy. And he brought the prototype of Andromeda's Edge. And it people were coming out and you know from we just had a lot of people come and play these games so we did it again this year and it became a little bit of a thing that people were actually asking don how can they come i had people texting me while i was posting pictures how do i get a ticket to don con so just talking about that and we're going to talk about kind of just the three top moments that we have. And I actually have a video, my best of Don Con coming out. It's probably already out by the time you, you get to listen to this or see this. Of And I ranked all the games that we played. So I'm just going to get Don just kind of rank his like top five of his like 20 or so, whatever that he actually got to play. So I'm going to start with that. Don, what, how would you rank your top five games that you played at Don Con? So starting at five. If you can do yeah. that or four, however many you can do. I'll see if I can do that on the fly. I guess, first of all, while I'm thinking about that, I mean, this was not a glorified game day. This is a glorified game weekend. Oh, good uh, point. Yes. Yeah. It's not It's not a glorified game game day con if it doesn't actually expand to do at least three days. That's a very good point. Yeah. So Peter flew in uh, late morning Friday. I picked him up. We waited for you to show up. We played games until midnight plus. 
and you came back the next morning. We played till midnight plus, and then Sunday we played until it was time to take Peter back to the airport. So it was wall to wall gaming as you do. Uh, so during that, and we even had some proto spiel in there. I mean, it's very important. That's the other thing. If you're gonna do a glorified game day con, you gotta have a little proto spiel in there. I think. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have to have media, right? Yep. If there's not media, it's not a con. Will's the media, if you haven't figured that out. Uh, having a publisher there is nice. So we had a publisher there. Got to have game designers there. We did play a pro. Yep. Game designers were there. We did yep. play a prototype. So we had a proto spiel of one game. Yep. And, and, and con food. And yep. we, you know, and maybe. con food. Yeah. And that's important. I mean, you you got to dig into the con food. So we ate chicken sandwiches and pasta and nachos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we managed it. Yeah. But, you know, more edible versions of con food. Right, right. Very intentional, right? Uh, So let's see, number five. So I'm going to say Vindication, uh, which I really enjoy. I've been playing that with you a bit lately. Um, We got that to the table, full player count, four players. Um, I think that was later at night on Saturday. Um, And when Will says like lots of people showed up to play games at Don Pond and Don Tonto, he's talking about Adrian, Adrian's boyfriend, Corbin, Streamline, Matt, and anybody else? No, but that's a full table. You know, we, 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 we filled your room. Yeah. So we did get up to six players for one or two. No, and and I will say, and I've pitched this idea. Mm -hmm. I've pitched this because legitimately people were asking how they can get a ticket to DonCon. And I am pitched, I propose this that for DonCon 3, we put one ticket up for sale and it goes on sale and whoever wants it, you get it and we'll give you a link to a nearby hotel. It'll be a great room rate of whatever hotels.com says it is. And uh, we can, come, we, we can come pick you up in the morning, but if you sleep, yeah, we'll pick you up Uber. on his way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that because that would really make this a thing. We didn't do any prizes, but I guess we need to do prizes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll find a way to to upgrade it a little bit next time. I think con food was probably the upgrade this time. Yeah, I think that that was a yeah, I think that was that 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 worked well. I think the mistake we made was we didn't have one meal that we door dashed in because let's be real. You also always do that. You know, there's yeah. the, you're, you're remote enough that we're not going to go out and find a place to eat. But at least once we we, we should have brought, brought something in because all the small local cons, you're always door dashing food in. So I think we missed the market there a little bit. Even at like Dice Tower West is big, but the food is terrible at the hotel. And um, there's not a lot to want. Like people go to Denny's. Like that's where you go if you're going to walk out of the hotel and go somewhere to eat. Right. So, well, go yeah. to Denny's and get COVID. Dice Tower West. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we DoorDash there too, and that's a larger con. So, yeah, DoorDash is becoming a bigger and bigger element of con. So, yeah, we we probably need to add that. Um, we did have badges, by the way. I've got Peter's badge. He left it behind. So, just that much more official. We had badges at both Don Cons. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you got to have badges. Like, I'm working on the badges for Powdered Wig Con too right now. Awesome. And the wigs. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking if I can, you know, if I can find some some cheap powdered wigs, absolutely. But that sounds like they're not cheap. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. So vindication oh, was your number five. Yeah, I'll go faster here. So um, we played theurgy at full six player count. I think for the first time ever. Yeah. 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 I, I've I've played five a couple times. The first time was six. Yeah, and so that was a lot of fun. Um, I think we talked. Who won that game, Don? Uh, oh, I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but let's let's recognize that because I believe you're saying that's your first win. Yes, other so than one co-op game with you in co-op mode, we won, but that doesn't really count as me winning. So yeah, this is my first time playing. So apparently, I need five competitors to or opponents to to play and win. Uh, so that was number four. Number yeah. three is probably Monasterium. I'm really enjoying that one. You brought that over. Um, we played that with the really fancy expansion that you got. Um, it was how much money for how many cards? 
It was, I think it was $8 on the uh, BGG store, which is kind of a steal because you can't find the dumb thing. But yeah. it was for one very floppy paper reference sheet and I think eight quarter size tiles. <laughs> like it's it was expensive. So, uh, on a side note, there is a new Kickstarter coming for the first Amer- uh, English or American printing of Monasterium coming up sometime soonish. I'm excited about that. I, I want to get a copy of it, even though I can play your copy. Well, the copy you're, you'll get will be better. It's going to have, apparently, it's supposedly going to have a double layered spot on the board to, so the dice don't fall out. And Well, I like it. Yeah, apparently okay. yours is going to be better than mine. Uh, let's see. I don't know. Two is distilled. It was fun to play that at the full player count. Um, I think we need to get better at it, play more efficiently and all of that. But I'm really enjoying that game. I've played it a few times um, solo. Maybe this is my first time playing it multiplayer. And so that was a lot of fun. And then I'm going to put Dwellings of Eldervale at number one. You know, as much as I've played that game dozens and dozens of times, just, you know, we played this three player, just me, Will, and Peter. And we all have a lot of history with that game, especially Peter, of course. You know, Peter developed the game at Breaking Games. He, you know, largely did a lot of the design in hand in hand with, with Luke Laurie. You know, they came up with the game idea on a drive from Publicon back home. And so, you know, he's got a lot of history there. And then Adrian and I play tested it when it was in development. And, you know, we still have the prototype copy here somewhere um, from that play testing. And so just to sit down the three of us and play that game, you know, 11 o'clock at night, it was so yeah, much fun. You know, I boy, I shouldn't have stayed to play. That was a very hard drive home, but I'm glad it yeah. did. It was, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Who won that game, Don? Who won Dwellings? I think that might have been me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Me. What do you know? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very close. I thought I had. what, And I talked about this actually a little bit because in my video, but there was something intensely fun about it. And I started out just joking because I was kind of tired. But I George Costanza the whole game. Just I remember that. Yeah, all the things that I normally would do, I didn't. I didn't draft a single or buy a single one of my unique units. And for the first time ever, I was controlling monsters, and I had two of them. And I think I was like three points away from the win. Like it, it was in striking distance. It was like one hundred nine, one hundred five, ninety-eight. Yeah. So score. So yeah, it was just, nice and close. Yeah, the game. The game is. It's a blast. Great game. Always enjoy playing it. And it's uh, even though you have it, it's one that I will never get rid of unless someone wants to buy it from me for like 1200 bucks because I will sell it to you. Another copy. Yes, I will. Absolutely. I will sell it to you right now for 1200 bucks, people. You know, I'll even ship it. I'll cover the shipping on that in the con US only. (laughs) Okay, so that's my very slow top five. That's all right. It's okay. All right. So jumping into to just kind of our top moments from the con, and I have not actually really thought about this too too deeply but so i'm gonna go with with my my number three just kind of moment of the con is i'm gonna go with what am i gonna i'm gonna go with abandoning you guys to go set up theurgy while you were playing this game boast or nothing i started playing the game and then streamline match showed up and so i was and matt likes trick-taking games this is a weird little trick-taking game he likes them and he's good at them and i was in i think tied for first or second at the time i'm like matt can handle this i'm gonna go set up the next game for us make some nachos and just claim that i won there you go and the he didn't get a single point the entire game i'm so salty about it but it made me very happy that i could just be so very wrong like exceedingly wrong. And so I'm so salty about it. I didn't even put it in my games that I played my, my games of the con list. All right. Okay. So that's my number three. Cause I, I, I I'm going to remember that for a long time. So I guess that's what yeah. this is. You know, the, the, the things that you're going to remember the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I wrote down setup. It was one of the things that, that I liked. And you know, it was really just that, you know, somebody else could have picked the game, but, you know, somebody was always willing to go off and set up the game while other people were doing things. And it doesn't always happen. I, I don't know why, but that's something that stuck out at me. You know, like you went and did that. You went and set up the next game while we were playing Boast or Nothing. 
I think we were making food at one point and Peter came upstairs and set up one of the games, like something that took a long time. It just like, I don't know, it had kind of a community feel to it, I guess. I don't know if that makes any sense, but just. Yeah. Well, it's always nice when you don't always have to have to set it up. Um, I tried to do another time with Concordia and you have, so Don has so many expansions for this thing. It was incomprehensible in that box. And I tried for a while. I watched a video for a while. And finally, I just walked away. I said, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what to do. That probably should have been my top five. Concordia was a lot of fun. Um, I, I uh, who that game? When, well, let's see. Oh, you did. Yeah. What do you know? Uh, I have a bit of a mission whenever I hear that Will hasn't played one of the modern classics. I'm on a mission to beat them. And this was, this was one. He's been banging on about this one for a while. And every time yeah. I look at like what it looks like, the board, I'm like, oh my God, it looks so boring. It's um, a very dry board, but you yeah. enjoyed it. I did. I did. All right. So what, what's your, what's your number two moment? Well, I figure out mine. Uh, so actually really just sitting down to eat meals. This is a thing that I often don't manage to do at conventions. I did it better at Ice Tower West this year. Like there were times when I went off like with a single person and had a one-on-one meal and just like clock. And like usually like Bendercon, our, our very local con, it'll get to like 10 o'clock and I'll realize I never had lunch or dinner. Yeah. And, and, and then we'll do like a DoorDash in and, and we like snarf it down like yeah. while playing a game. or Because yeah. I think we did that. We played, uh, uh, did you play Mysterious Manor at DungeonCon with me or was that just Adrian that played? Just Adrian did. Yeah, but like while we were playing that, in between turns, I was like walking over to the other table and eating stuff and like walking back. Yeah. But yeah. So I really enjoyed that we stopped and we'd eat a whole meal and we would just talk. And it was just nice to like catch up and talk. Um, we still got a lot of games in. And I, I certainly appreciate getting so many games in at cons that we miss meals. That's fun too. But, you know, it's one of the things that's memorable about this one is just we sat and talked. Caught up. It talked about even things not about games sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That well, yeah, that's a good one. Wow. You got that's a good one. I should have taken that one first. All right. Uh but I'm gonna uh for number two, I think I'm actually gonna go with uh just the whole experience of the Concordia. Because mm-hmm. I so I got there and as the days progressed, I come a little bit later and a little bit later every day because I just oh, <laughs> it was hard. And so I got there and you and Peter were playing some small build builder deck thing. You're like, oh, this would be real quick. We'll be done quick. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'll just watch this video on Concordia, learn how to play. So you don't really have to teach me. And I'll go set it up. Then I watched a video and I couldn't figure out how to set up. So I watched another video and I still couldn't figure out how to set it up. And I came back down. I was like, you guys done? You're like, I oh, were like halfway done. Like 25 minutes later, finally. You finish, we go up and play. And then God loved Peter. He was like teaching me how to play. And I was like, no, I got it. Like I've watched like all the videos on the internet for this game. Like I got it. And we go through and then I usually don't care if I win, but I'm going to hold on to winning that game because the game will, the game ends when someone gets all of their villages out or build whatever the little building things are out or the deck runs out. And for whatever reason, neither Peter nor Don saw that I was close to being out. And then suddenly I, I was out and both of them was like, what? You're out? Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was beautiful. And then I lost. And I was like, hold on. And I went back and I recounted and realized I'd missed like one factory or whatever somewhere. And one. And it's a really fun game. I even downloaded the app which I haven't played a ton of it, just like when I'm in between classes, if I'm just waiting, I'll just, you know, play a couple rounds. So that, that, that turned out to be fun. And Don was right. It is a game that I should have played this one. So I think you're like one for two on those. Right, so that's my number that's two. The other one. I don't, I feel like you've done this one more time. And I was like, okay, yeah, I did that. Okay. I'll figure it out. So uh, it's funny how we're syncing up here. Cause the third thing I wrote down was figuring out games with Peter. Uh, and that, Pocket Master Builder was one of them. It's this little tiny one. I had just bought it. Um, when he first showed up on Friday, um, we were looking for two-player things to play while we waited for you to get done with work. And I had Hamlet sitting on the, the stack 
waiting to be played for ages. I read the rules months ago and, you know, we sat down and just kind of muddled through it. And, you know, I want to say most gamers don't have a lot of patience for that process. You know, figuring out the game as you're playing it. We like it when somebody has read the rules or watched the video and is comes ready to teach. Um, but every once in a while, I like just sitting down and muddling through a game. And so Peter and I did that with Hamlet and we did that with Pocket Master Builder while we were waiting for you on Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. And uh, just that little process is fun. Um, and Pocket Master Builder was an especially interesting challenge because it's a game from Taiwan and the, the rule book is not especially well translated. So we really had to kind of figure out the intention. And once we got there, that game was good. You and I need to play it at some point. Um, you know, it's just, it's a deck of cards or, you know, three decks of cards that fit in one talk box, but there's a lot of thinky Euro-ness to it. So I, I just, that was a memorable experience is just kind of sitting down and, and figuring out a game together. Um, my wife and I will do that sometimes. She has the patience for that because she's not a, she's not a pro gamer who's trying to have the most efficient game every time she she will sit down and figure out a game with me and i like that now and then yeah, i'm gonna go with it's a little more nebulous but i feel like everybody had a game or two that because we talked about this like weeks in advance of like what do we want to get played like everybody had a couple games that they had on the list that they really wanted to get played and I feel like we got, I think we got all of them, the games that people like really wanted to play. Like, you know, we you always have like tiers of stuff. So like all the stuff that I brought didn't get played, but I really wanted to play Guildmaster and I really wanted to play Theurgy. We made it happen and it happened. And I thought that that was great. I mean, you know, Peter, are you really want to play Concordia? We got that. We really got distilled. And then we had just some fill-ins here and there. Like we, the Vindication was just a fill-in, which was a great fill-in. Dwellings was just a fill-in. Um, the best villain, I think, was Sorcerer City. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah. So I, I but, you know, we, every, I, I feel like everybody, no one left like, man, I really wanted to play. So sometimes, you know, that happens at a con. Like, he's like, I really want to play this, but then it just never happens. Oh, always. I it's always. always bag of games and never play any of them. Yeah, it's, it's very, like, it's so weird. Like, I feel like you have to, like, go on a mission. Like, every big con we go to, I'm on a mission. To play Mysterious Manor. Like, I will play that game if I have to tie you down to the chair. We're going to do this. But, yeah, I feel like everyone got to get their, their their things out this time, which I thought was was just awesome. That's all we got. That's our three. So now is everyone's favorite part of the episode, which is you should become a channel member. Make sure you do that. It's very simple. If you're watching this on your computer, then you just click the join button. If you're on your phone, there's a little link in the description. If you listen to the podcast, there's also a link. So there you go. You should do it. It's great. We we just got a couple more members, so like it's getting exciting. And we're actually I'm actually going to start a members only occasional video coming up as soon as the members decide what it is that they want to see. Right now, it's uh, going to be a mail call of well, what what's derived and kind of initial impressions and stuff. But we'll, we'll see what it winds up being. So everybody should do that. All right. So now we're going to talk about our, our featured game. And this one's actually a total audible from what we were going to talk about. And we've changed our mind at the last minute, which is very appropriate because that's actually how we played the game recently, though both Don and I have played the game plenty prior to this past DonCon. And that is Sorcerer's City from Skybound Games and Druid City Games. Is it also Druid City Games? I can't I can't recall. I believe so. Yeah. So which is designed by a local to us designer Scott Caputo. And it is a real-time tile placement and also tile building, think deck building, but they're all tiles game, in which the theme of it is in this city of sorcerers, every year they move the city around or reasons uh, I, I don't know but they move the city blocks around so that's kind of what you're doing is you're moving the city blocks all around the town or the city and trying to score points and you're going to score points based on the orientation of the tiles and the colors and there's four resources you're going to get prestige 
points, which are just literally points for the win. You're going to get influence. And at the end of each round, whoever has the highest influence will get their first pick of various awards. There is gold, which is going to be how you buy more tiles and build your deck. And then there is raw magic, which at the end of every round, you're going to get to each player is going to get to secretly decide where they're going to use that raw magic. Are they going to boost their influence or their points or whatever? And you're going to play through four rounds and each round your deck's getting bigger and there's various monsters that are going to be coming out, which are going to mess with you completely in some way, shape or form. And the time though stays the same. We, we played at DonCon, we played on normal mode, which means you have two minutes each round. And so at the beginning of the game, it's, it's, you got plenty of time to get your 10 or 12 tiles out. By the end of the game, you might have 30 tiles and suddenly you're, trying to, to work out how to get these things out there in time for your run of time. So that is Sorcerer City. Plays quick. I think the three of us played it in about 45 minutes or so. Probably less than that. I mean, because you're only doing eight minutes of actual gameplay. Yeah. Figuring it out. And then it's, you know, how, how you're building. Your, then you're thinking of building your deck and, you know, some scoring. So that's probably a 45-minute game, 40 minutes, mm-hmm. maybe a little less. All right, so I'm going to let you, you go first, Don. You're kind of pros of the game. You know, I love the tension of that two minutes. Um, you know, it feels so, so easy the first round. You know, when you just have that basic starter deck, you know, it's deceptively easy to get your, you can just feel like, well, I'm going to like make slow decisions around where this tile is going to go. And then the second round, there's a little more tension. But by that last round, you're really trying to rush. And I think I had you know, 12 tiles left over at the end when the timer went off. And so, you know, you when you do the shopping between rounds, you're adding amazing tiles and then you get to the last round and you're really terrified that those amazing tiles aren't going to come out. They're going to be stuck at the bottom after you've shuffled your 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 stack. So I really like how that tension builds. I love the market for the game. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of the tension, I, I, I agree with you that the tension is great. And especially once you start adding those monsters in there, because some of the monsters just ruin your day. But if you can Especially plan you it right, yeah, yeah. If you, if you plan it right, you can mitigate it. But you have that. When's it going to come out? And I'm trying to save it so I don't get one of my things blown up. And as Don Don pointed, we uh, we we ganged up and bullied Peter, and we both got an award where we got to send our lich, which would raise skeletons into your city. We we just both of us gave them to Peter, and suddenly he had uh, an undead city with skeletons and liches everywhere. But yeah, so I, I'm with you on that. You were just talking about the uh, the, the purchasing and the yeah, the, I mean, the market is really cool. Like there there are lots of choices, so you're not really stuck with boring tiles to choose from, and you can kind of choose a strategic direction. You know, I, I want to focus on the rainbows, which are wild, or I want to focus on the, the shields that give me extra points if I have certain conditions mm-hmm. met, and yeah, because yeah. I, I focused really hard on the the purple, the raw magic, and I think you focused uh, on the gold uh, at least at the at the beginning. I yes. think. Yeah, I, I often play a money strat in this game. You know, the gold lets you buy better cards, but then at the end of the game, the gold doesn't help you any because it doesn't give you any points. Except that I managed to buy shields that would give me points for every two gold or every three gold, whatever it was. And so, I was amassing a ton of gold and then turning it into points, and that was that was pretty satisfying. Yeah, I, I think the thing that really works for me is there There are definitely a lot of different strategies you can go down. I don't think you can really go down an influence-only strategy. I think that's the only one. Yeah. You, you can't just pile up on that because you're just getting, getting an award for it at the end of each year. But even that, though, you can't ignore it. So it's this fun thing. So you kind of have to get some influence for the most part. And then you can go any of the other three ways. And if you are able to build your stack right, it can pay off really, really well. So, yeah, I think just works really, really cleverly. And um, yeah. and it looks very pretty, too. Yeah, I was going to that. That was my other thing I was going to mention is I have the deluxe version. Uh, so it, it's very pre- I think the base game has most of. What's yeah, I, as near there. as I can tell, because I just have the core game. As near as I can tell, the only difference is the metal coins. Yes. And you have one little small uh, ex- expansion, like three tiles that come with it. 
So it's pretty much just the metal coins, which are very cool. The metal coins are very cool. For whatever reason, they engineered it so that they can stack and lock together. It's completely unnecessary, but it's really satisfying. And you find yourself stacking them up every time. And all those coins are are points that you're accumulating at the end of each round. And so they're really just there to to add up for your score at the end of the game. But they're fun to play with yeah. between rounds yeah. and stack them up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm going to, and I agree completely, completely with that. I'm going to jump into to kind of the, the few things I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. First one is the theme. Like I, I don't get it. Like, what? Well, why are we moving the city around? It maybe it tells us in there. Like, I feel like it's just hubris. Maybe. Like, it's a game about hubris. I it can make the city sorcery. better than you. I mean, it really is just an abstract game. Yeah, yeah. With and you know, it's like the the it's pretty. Like the artwork that they got for it is great. The each each player is ostensibly a, a different wizard. And so you or sorcerer, I guess, and you use these cards to kind of vote with uh, uh, how you're doing your raw magic. Maybe they don't make any difference. Like they look like I wish, like they look really cool, but you know they don't do anything different. So it could have just been colors, but I guess they you know they put the effort into getting the art, and it looks good. So that that I have a slight issue with that. The only substantive issue I have is it takes up so much space. It is ridiculous. Like you put yeah. the markets out there and it it shouldn't. You get you start the game. Oh, this didn't take me space, but it just we played three people, and I would on your six-person table, and I would argue if we played four, we would have had a problem. Like you you kept encroaching into my space. You were encroaching into my space, is what was happening. No, no, no. But yeah, it's and it's played up to six, and I just don't like you have to have a a planet to play that thing with six. You'd be playing on two tables, possibly. But, um, you know, but yeah, I guess you could play on two tables. There's no reason you couldn't play on two tables, I guess. No. There, maybe there's some monsters that that maybe you have to give things to people like in, yeah. in the game, maybe. But maybe just don't play on So yeah, that's a good point. I guess you could play on two tables. Oh, see, there, here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. There's one other game that I've ever covered that had that capability. It's a game called Overbattle. And it's this huge 4X game that literally the playmat, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic and when they sent this to me, then suddenly I couldn't play with anybody. So I literally had to put it on the floor because it's a four by eight playmat. And I played with Matt and he had to zoom in on a computer and I had to set it up. And then I was, I had like phones connected to the zoom also trying to move around, but it is a four by eight. And you can get two copies of the game and play on two four by eight tables, which, and I guess your player boards on like other little tables around, like, I don't know, but that's 16 people. That's how that game would play. Mm. And that's like a four hour game. This is a 40 minute game. And to play four people, we need two tables. And to play six, you need two full size tables. Yeah. So yeah. that's maybe a con experience. And Ooh, not a good, good work playing con. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't even understand how it gets so big. I, I don't get it. I do not understand how it takes up so much space, but it does. But anyhow, yeah, well, I, we're thinking about that. I can't think how you'd make it take up less space. It's not like the market is taking up half the table. You can scoot that off to the side. It's really just like, I wouldn't make the tiles any smaller. Oh, I, well, you know, I don't know. I, I think you could make them a, a, a little bit smaller. I bet you could cut, cut a quarter off those tiles. Maybe, you know, and that 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 would significantly chop it down. But I mean, you're right. I mean, it's just it's just big and it's deceptively big. It just sprawls. But yeah, it, yeah it's a fun game. Like I, it's one that I, I've and I talk about it in my other video. Like it's stayed on my shelf for a couple of years now. I haven't played in a couple of years because it's a real time tiling game. And that is anathema yeah. if you say that. To a lot of people, they're not magic words for convincing people to play a game. No, no. So <laughs> this is one that works. Yeah, I have a hard time getting it played, but I won't get rid of it because it just—it's just a really, really cool game. I don't know if you listeners or viewers, I don't—I don't know how easy it is to find copies right now, but I'm sure there's some on the secondary market, if nothing else. I don't know if Skybound is still selling them or not, but cool game. 
I dig it. Mm-hmm. All right, so that that brings us to the uh, well to, to to the end of the episode. And as always, Don, you get the honor of the today's gaming words of wisdom. What do you got for us? Did you forget again? So, no, no. I, I actually was thinking about this one, and I have kind of a weird connection to something. Like, we don't have hot water right now in my house, and we have a very, very fancy water heater. It's like one of those super efficient coil water heaters, and it is telling me that something is blocking the exhaust pipe. And I'm quite certain it's like a sensor that failed because it's a fancy thing. And this is the second time I've run into this. Like we had a fancy fridge years ago that kept breaking because it had too many fancy extra components to it. And, you know, I'm convinced that it is never right to get like the fanciest version of an appliance because they've always kind of stretched the engineering just a little bit. I started kind of thinking about this in relation to games and kind of my gaming words of wisdom is you don't always need the fanciest version of something. And I was connecting this with uh, a prototype that I played at your house recently. And I, I won't mention the game because the fans oh, that's okay. Uh, really uh, cool. I, I talked about it in, in the video and it's, I think it's funded by right now. Uh, yeah. Seismic. Oh, no, no, not seismic. I mean, seismic, I don't, seismic is just the fancy version, isn't it? No, 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 no. no. They, they have a, there's a version which actually got, Oh, me you're right. It, it goes from a hundred dollars to $250 to get the fancy version. Right. No, yeah. I'm, I'm really thinking of, um, Right now, I'm blanking on it. Oh, an age contrived? No, no. The uh, much more popular game that's out there right now that's funded a million percent. Um, the the Ivy Games. Oh, for, uh, Fractured Sky. Fractured Sky. Thank you. Sorry. So, just like the fancy version of it is really cool, but we played the retail version, and I found it perfectly satisfying. Yep. And. So I I don't feel the need to get the fancy version of that game. As cool as the magnets are and the miniatures and all of that stuff, that's one game where I find the retail version perfectly satisfying. And so this is me talking to myself as much as to the, the viewers and listeners out there. You don't always need the fanciest version. Sometimes the thing that just does the job is perfectly satisfying. Yeah, I also find it funny that uh, I was able, I came with three different games <laughs> before we before before we got to it. Um, yeah. yeah. So there are clearly a lot of examples of this out there. Yeah. Peter Vaughn is uh, twitching if he's listening to you say that because he needs the deluxe everything. All right, everybody. Yeah, some so people uh, are really good at the fancy version. So yeah, there are I mean, exceptions it, to this rule. Yeah. I mean, and to, to be fair, the Fractured Sky one looks fantastic. The AIDS Contrive one, the little token shooter is just, it's so much fun. I love it. And the, seismic like it it does look really cool on the table i mean it looks really cool so you know there's benefits to it but in any event uh, everybody uh as always uh thank you so much for watching if you enjoyed the video or the podcast like subscribe share consider joining the channel make sure you're subscribed on your podcast whatever it is you got get a copy of backyard chickens i'm gonna try to put some links down in the description so you can get all that And as always, thank you so much for watching or listening. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. The podcast people can't hear you wave, Don. Hi, all. Let's try not to speak over you. What is happening here? I didn't get that. Could you try again? My computer thought I said whatever the code is to turn on its little AI helper there. Yeah, that's weird. And I I don't know what the phrase actually is. And I definitely don't know what I said that sounded like the phrase that accidentally turned it on. But I was trying to go find tennis balls for me to buy. Wow, that is a new random cat walking through my backyard. I have to be careful what I say for the outtakes. Well, I was out trying to calm down chickens in my defense. I bring the magic. <laughs>